Hey, this is Corey Wong. If you are interested in guitar players, if you're interested in artists and how they think, why they create, what it is that motivates them to create, come check out my podcast, Wong Notes Podcast, where I get to interview some of my absolute heroes, people like John Mayer, Niall Rogers, Jacob Collier, Madison Cunningham, Benson, Vi, Santana, Satriani, Lukather, Matheny. Oh, the names are insane icons of the guitar, icons of artistry and creativity. I absolutely love sitting down with these musicians and getting to ask them about their creative process and get into the details of why they do what they do. Check it out, Wong Notes. Listen now, wherever you get podcasts. everybody welcome back to another episode of chasing frets this week i'm joined by andy ellis how you doing andy i'm doing well and uh, as you heard on monday our guest this week is larkin poe rebecca and megan and they uh, their new records kindred spirits which we mentioned uh on monday but today we're really going to kind of unpack that and uh, kind of unpack the art of the cover tune they this these two sisters in larkin poe put their own stamp in a unique way on other people's songs. And they really explain some of the thinking behind that and how they found this as their own voice. So uh, we encourage you to go check out their new record, Kindred Spirits. There's a lot of fun, fun music on there. And so here's our second episode with Larkin Poe. Today's podcast is sponsored by Vega Trend ultra-strong Vega Trem tremolo system provides incredible tuning stability and a musical, comfortable player experience with the widest range of up-and-down movement available. This double-action locking trem is easy to install and doesn't require any additional routing. Vega Trem, the tremolo reinvented. For more information, visit vegatrem.com. Larkin Poe, welcome back to our second episode for this week of Chase and Frets. Rebecca and Megan, and uh, I'm Andy Ellis, and uh, I'm sitting here with Jason. Now, Kindred Spirits, your new album, is a collection of fascinating covers, cover songs. I personally regard doing cover songs as one of the great disciplines of being a musician because you have to pay respect to the people who first wrote and recorded the song, and you have to bring your own flavor to it. You're not, you're not just a cover band in a, in a bar playing a verbatim version of Steely Dan, right? I look at your, your list of songs, he said, bringing his paper over, and, and I see so many of them uh, date back to my time. I remember when Bellbottom Blues came out because I remember when Derek and the Dominoes mm. album came out and buying it. I was in a band, you know, and it just, it's insane to think that this music is so enduring, you know. Uh, Ramblin' Man, uh, Nights in White Satin mm -hmm. even earlier. I even remember Elvis Presley. Devil in Disguise. I wasn't playing in a band then, but I remember it. So how is it that, you know, what guides you when you go and make these choices of songs? You know, how, what, what's, your, what's your process? That's a great question. I feel like it changes every time. But a lot of these songs are, are, are songs we grew up listening to. I mean, we are huge 
Allman Brothers fans. So it just felt right to to pick an Allman Brothers tune. A mm-hmm. lot a lot of these are very nostalgic to us. Yeah. As well as songs that we listened to a lot growing up. And there's definitely a hallmark that rings through the songs that we end up selecting because we grew up as we've touched on in previous episodes that we grew up listening to a lot of music. So there's a lot of songs that we have been influenced by that wouldn't be good covers for us. But there's some some something that glimmers in a song that that feels familiar to us and uh and it makes itself known that we need to to cover it (laughs) and it's hard to explain what that is exactly it's just some echoing of something that feels akin to who you are as a person and that i think is the endless joy of digging through catalogs of songs that date back you know to the turn of the century from traditional blues covers that we've done so like Derek and the Dominoes or or even even like a Post Malone and featuring Ozzy Osbourne that was released a couple of years ago. There's some tie that connects these songs, um, a sense of melody or a lyric that we could imagine having written ourselves that makes itself uh, fit into the pack, if you will, of songs that we have selected for this record specifically, but even just for our cover series online. Because first of all, you guys are really good at covers, which I don't think, I think is a bit, like some people think to be really good at a cover, you have to play something note for note, you know. And there's Mm. a place for that. But to me, it's a bit more interesting when when somebody takes artistic license and kind of, like Andy was saying, interjects a little bit of their own personality into it. When you take a song like, like a Phil Collins song, like In the Air Tonight, what was your process for referencing the original, but yet not making it a carbon copy? This is very interesting because we've now been doing this cover video series for, what, four or five years now. Yeah. Um, and I, we never expected that to take off and never expected that to be something that we would do. Um, but I'll tell you, it's taught us so much about our own sound. Mm-hmm. There's something about reinterpreting music to sound like Larkin Poe, that actually taught us what Larkin Poe sounds like. It's kind of like a really backwards way of coming to it. Yeah. Um, but it's just become sort of a gut feeling. Like over the years, we'll just sit down with a song and it kind of, it, it feels almost magical. It kind <laughs> of just happens. I, I find it interesting that you did pick In the Air tonight because from my estimation, and of course we're bound by our own lens, right? But um, that was one of the least inventive covers that we did because we basically just sang the melody and I stomped and clapped and Megan played a lap steel part that was really beautiful but we really actually did keep it fairly true to the elements that Phil had originally presented outside of just some of the wacky you know production that you hear on the Phil Collins version I don't know it's pretty different well I guess I guess because his version is a fairly stripped back rock song and I think that we stripped it back even more (laughs) well I guess when you when you say you know Covering is maybe a potentially, uh, it's it's maybe not a highly respected art because I do think there's a difference between being a cover artist and being a reinterpretive artist. Ah, yeah. Um, Ah. Like when you, I had a conversation with Elvis Costello one time about just this because he is married to Diana Krall and she is one of the most highly respected interpretive artists that you could imagine. She takes songs and, and it sounds like Diana Krall. And so I, I brought him a question about it. And he says, you know, yeah, you, you watch these gladiatorial, you know, American Idol and The Voice. And people are just literally spitting out renditions of songs without any tweaking or changing of the composition of the song or the artistic interpretation of the song. Um, 
but when you have an artist that does their best to internalize and then regurgitate in a totally new form this song it really is something special and that's something that we have taken great pride in is um being willing and audacious enough to take a highly respected song and to give it our own spin because art shouldn't be behind glass it's not like these songs are canon and they cannot be you know tweaked like we frankly you know took an elvis presley tune and turned it from a major upbeat song and, and tweaked it into a very creepy, mournful, diabolical, <laughs> minor situation that is in a lot of ways not even related to the original version. Yeah. But that's okay. That's that's what creativity brings to this, to the equation. It, you know, I was thinking too, uh, Megan, you said that it's kind of a backwards way of approaching it. And I know you didn't mean it completely that way, but it made me realize that, wait a second, this is actually a time-honored a time-honored process because when I was first listening to rock and roll, before, you know, in my first band, it was the Rolling Stones. Mm -hmm. And they were the ones that introduced me to Chuck Berry and they were the ones who introduced me to Howlin' Wolf. And yeah. so that was, and they were interpreting. They weren't doing, when they did Little Red Rooster, it wasn't slavishly imitating Howlin' Wolf, not mm. that they could, you know, they were young white kids from London, <laughs> you know, how can yeah. they do that? But so I think actually what you guys have discovered maybe inadvertently is this other path. And maybe you learned this from bluegrass because that also is the eternal, the song keeps churning over and over mm. again with new hands, you know, maybe this is the rock tradition and we just have forgotten that that's a rock tradition to take from the masters and reinterpret. I like I like that perspective. Also, churning with changing hands. That's a that's a song right there waiting to happen. I love how you said that. <laughs> um, but I mean, I, I guess I don't even really see the difference. Like when you're if you're learning how to play guitar, you learn other people's songs, you learn their riffs, you learn their solos. Yeah. And that helps you develop your own vocabulary as a player. So I think the same rule holds true for songwriters. Like if you want to learn how to write songs, what better way than to crawl inside a Tom Petty tune or a Tom Waits tune or a, or a Rolling Stones song, you know, and figure out what makes the song tick, the mechanics of the song. Because some people just come out sounding like themselves, like Tom Petty. Sure. You know, he came out writing hits and he, he was Tom Petty from the beginning. But, you know, people like us, like it taken many years to kind of find ourselves um and it's taken a lot of soul searching and trying out different things to but before we've kind of ended up here where we do feel very comfortable we feel like we've, we've found, found our voice our voice yeah. yeah which song on the new record best demonstrates your guys's voice as a band oh off of kindred spirits um potentially we might actually pick different ones what would you say best represents like what song sounds the most like a song you guys would write yourselves. Mm. I think I vote for Knights in White Satin myself. Ah. I'm not. I'm not in the band, so my vote doesn't count. But that's. <laughs> you know, I might. Um, I might actually vote. I don't know which one you're going to pick. <laughs> well, I'm torn because "Fly Away" we just released the Lindy Kravitz tune, and and we basically just swampified "Fly Away," which has been met with 
a wide range of approval slash disapproval from our fans where people, some people love it. Some people are like, oh, this is so boring now. You slowed it down and you made it moody. Um, but I, I, I feel like that's actually pretty true to the the heart of Larkin Poe. Yeah. Swampadelic vibes. Actually, it was between Nights in White Satin and Fly Away. For mm-hmm. me, I'm probably leaning more towards Fly Away because it does... It's like a pop song, but it also has the roots element to it. But if I could pick any song that I would have written off of the Kindred Spirits, uh, it would definitely be Rockin' in the Free World, because that's a song that has really captured my imagination, because I'd never processed the lyrics for Rockin' in the Free World. I always thought it was like a badass rocker, but when you actually strip it down to the elements, this is a plaintive, satirical ingeniously written song that I absolutely adore. So hats off to Mr. Neil Young. Well, mine, mine that I wish I'd written is Bell Bottom Blues. Yeah. That's to me is just like such a well-constructed song. It's gorgeous. And, and we also know some of the history behind that. It's a very personal song, uh, you know, love affair with two of the greatest guitarists of the time yeah. involved. Uh, well, anyway, um, but I want to say that uh, "Fly Away," you know, because you were you were saying, Rebecca, that it was met with a variety of responses. That was one of the songs that made me cry off this record. I first heard it from the video uh, before I got the uh, the link to the to the release, and it just was the right time of of night, right time of life. I don't know, but it just it was hearing that song in a new way. Mm. It wasn't a big, bold, you know, uh, I'm going to fly away. Yeah. You know, it was really tender, and it just took me down, so in a good way. Thank and, you. you know. I'm so glad. Well, same for me, because I, again, it's like a lot of these songs, um, they're originally, you know, there's so much posturing. Like when you listen to Lenny Kravitz's version, it's all yeah. about the let's get away, baby. Like, let's go on holiday. It feels like a big party. You know what I mean? But when, again, yeah. when you start looking at the lyrics and you read them with a different feeling, they're plaintive. It's, it's like, I'm stuck. I'm stuck. Maybe. I'm trapped. I need to get away. Yeah. And that like, whenever I connected with that energy of the song, which I can very much relate to. And I think everyone can relate to that sense of, of a need for escape, not because you want to go drink, pina coladas by a pool you know in in tahiti it's like no i i need a break from this monotony that is human existence please you don't, help me you, you know? don't it's want like, to go well know, i do pina coladas. well i do but also like you know i want to have that insight and understanding of of you know yeah. human existence and that's what it feels like to me that song is very broad sweeping emotional oh yeah you delivered that oh, i say you plural delivered that to me listening to the song, it was a new way of looking at the song, hearing the song, experiencing it. I hadn't seen it before. You popped it open and said, check it out. Thank you. Outside of, let's say, outside of the Post Malone probably, were were these artists and these songs uh, common around the household growing up? Yeah, pretty much all of them. Uh, Hellhound on my trail, not so much. That's a Robert Johnson tune that we came to later in life. but uh, yeah, Fly Away, Nights on White Satin in the Air Tonight, Who Do You Love, Ramblin' Man, Crocodile. La Bamba is where I first heard that song. Yeah. Uh, so what, uh, I'm always curious, when you make an album like this full of songs that kind of populated your childhood and also probably brought up memories from your parents of you guys growing up, what was, what was the, obviously they're 
proud of you and making this album. But what was their kind of reaction of hearing their two girls uh, reinterpret these songs that they probably grew up with? They love it. They love it. Yeah. Our, our dad's favorite is Bell Bottom Blues off of the album. That's his favorite. I think um, obviously not having children of our own, it's hard to, to thoroughly connect with the emotion, but they're incredibly proud. And our, our parents have been very insightful in sharing that with us and, you know, the ways that it, it makes them incredibly proud and incredibly happy. And also, I think a little bit um, nostalgic. Well, also, there's like a mysticism there because like they don't, as music makers, as not because they don't do it themselves. And then they have a hard time understanding how we do it. Like my mom will just watch us play like a video or something. And we'll, we'll sit there and show them the newest cover that we've made. And she'll just go, I don't, I don't understand how you do it. And she's so proud. And it's like, that's the best part of it is seeing your parents, just making your parent happy and, you know, being winning for them feels really, really great. So that's why that's basically why we're trying to, to make good on this whole music thing is to make our folks proud. I'm sure just like everybody else. It'll be really interesting because I'm I'm sure people will uh, young young musicians will come across this album, not having been fa- not having been familiar with any of these tunes, and you this album, and and your band and your interpretations might be their mm-hmm. gateway to where, who is Derek and the Dominoes right. like what you know that this might be like like the Stones were the gateway for Andy for Chuck mm-hmm. Berry, yeah. but this album might be the gateway for somebody to discover these mm-hmm. other artists. But that's so. that's how we feel about bands like the Allman Brothers. I mean, because that's how we kind of discovered blues music was going back a step behind, like who who inspired these people to create the music that's inspiring us. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's how we that's how we've kind of been delving deeper into the blues and like Sun House and Skip James and Muddy Waters and just loving, you know, yeah. falling into that world. We all make up the links of the cultural chain, mm-hmm. you know, that extends back to the beginning of human consciousness. And so to be a part of that and to hopefully pay homage to those that have come before, that's that's definitely, I think, a big driving force for us in, in trying to, to retranslate some source musics of, you know, American rock and roll. Well, the album is called Kindred Spirits. Uh, you can go check it out wherever streaming music happens. And uh, thanks again, ladies, for joining us this week. Thank you. Thank you.